My name is Emily Soon. I am an intern pastor here at New Philadelphia Church, and I was on the Malaysia mission trip. So I just got back on Monday, and man, we had such an awesome team. Where's my team at? But more than our team, we had an amazing church that was covering us every single step of the way. And so my testimony kind of shows just the power of your guys' prayers. So uh, the testimony I'm going to share with you guys today is called Choose to be Relational. Okay, uh, some of you guys naturally are really, really relational. Uh, I am not. <laughs> uh, every day it's a choice for me to be really relational. Naturally, I'm more goal-oriented, more choleric, and I need to know what's going on. But in Malaysia, that's not how they function <laughs> at all. So even the day that we arrived, we didn't know really what our itinerary was. And so when Pastor Christian always says God does not rely on methods, but he is relational, that really rang true for me during this trip. Uh, we hear all the, t the two commandments is love God and love your neighbor. And I always saw those two commandments as two rules I would follow in order to live in brotherly harmony. So within my family, within my church family, but this time in Malaysia, I took that as imitating Christ. So I was able to witness the power of always choosing to be relational for the sole purpose of imitating Christ rather than to gain anything from it. Uh, in Malaysia, every day was a day packed full of surprises and unplanned events. Uh, here at this church, we have a lot of us talk about the four personality types, right? Phlegmatic, choleric, melancholy, and sanguine. <sighs> Many of the ministries in Malaysia were very, very phlegmatic. And so our team really had to adjust to that as well. And uh, just the phlegmatic relational nature of the ministries gave God a platform to do all that he wanted to do. Uh, we really required us to get out of the mode of Korea, the busyness of Korea, learn how to imitate what God was doing in Malaysia. And that was when we were able to see the fullness of his glory. So one of the strongest ways that God taught me how to be relational was the day that Pastor Myung-ho told me that I was going to be preaching. <laughs> so I've preached a few times on, I've preached every time I've been on missions, but it was always, you know, like a 10 to 15 minute sermon, maybe in front of kids. But this time it was a full blown, like more so revival service. And so I had high expectations and my biggest prayer for it was, I want the people to be hungry for the translation. So I wanted to see them waiting for the translator to translate my words. And that was my biggest prayer. And so naturally, I really wanted to know who the translator was. And every day we asked them who was the translator, we got the same response. I don't know. We'll see. Where's the church? Uh, just, you'll see who, how many people? Uh, I don't know. And soon our team really got used to it, and we really shifted around that. But I really want to know who the translator was. 
But we didn't end up knowing until the time I was going to preach, actually. And so we went in not really knowing anything. All, most the answers to all our questions was we don't know. So we got used to I think one time Eunice even asked what was up for tomorrow, and the guy told her to calm down. <laughs> so after that, we just really chilled out. Um but one thing I really noticed about um, the phlegmatic nature of it was that God had full authority to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and change whatever he wanted. And so that's kind of what he did during the whole trip. And so before I went up to preach, about a minute or so before I met my translator, I went to go talk to her, and I was really excited to finally know who she was, and I went to go greet her, and I came back very concerned. I went up to Eunice and I said, we can't even hold a normal conversation. And then Eunice goes, okay, let me go try to figure this out. She goes and talks to the MPWM pastor there, Pastor John. And she goes, he goes, don't worry. Everything should be fine. She's qualified. Okay. <laughs> and then we go up and just a little bit into my sermon, everything was not fine. <laughs> and I was, I was realizing that the the translation was not going to be successfully translated, and I started to panic, but I didn't quite know what to do. Uh, at one point, Pastor John actually came up, because it was so much struggle, he actually came up and was about to take the mic. And uh, I remember looking over at him, and I just saw in his eyes that he, he had the Father's heart, and his desire was to let this girl... I could tell... She was kind of like his spiritual daughter of some sort. And he had the heart and the desire to build her up. And that's why she, he was giving her this platform. And I could just see it in his eyes. And at that moment, we made eye contact. I had a choice to make. Be relational and let the girl continue. Or get my message out and let him take over. And I don't know what I was thinking, but in that split second... My mind was going crazy, but I signaled for him, take your seat. And I continued to feed my sermon to her word by word, literally. Come and <laughs> do. And I just, I had to let go of my sermon notes. And pretty soon I just had to somehow relationally have a conversation with the congregation. I don't know how much they understood. My heart was just to wrap it up. <laughs> and so I got through mo most of it, and then um, I closed it off with an altar call. And, I mean, I have to say, I didn't deal with it the best way. I really did. I was so discouraged. And I remember just inviting the team up, pray team, and I ran to the back. <laughs> I was like, ah! I started crying. I composed myself where they couldn't see me. And I went back, closed it, declared God did what he wanted to do today. Amen. Even though I didn't believe it, I declared it. And then um, thank God that our team, where I lacked, my team really made up for it. So during our debriefing, um, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go a few minutes over. <laughs> during our debriefing, my team really nailed, like, Pastor Melma said, one, I chose you 
I know, I know why I chose you now. They fully understood what God was doing during that time. And she said, I know why God told me to choose you now because you were probably the only person that could have dealt with that situation with such patience. Second, we wouldn't have, Eunice wouldn't have sent a prayer request to UPS asking for prayer for translation, which we had a bomb translator for the rest of the trip. Like the most amazing translator I've ever heard, actually. And then uh, our brother Ted told me that he looked back and he saw that actually the whole congregation was translating the message for the girl, which showed that they were hungry for the word. In fact, they were translating it themselves. And so that was my prayer request. Third, our sister Jaya told me she's an English speaker, but she was so encouraged. She wasn't even listening to the message because she was so encouraged by the way that I was relationally dealing with the translator and she was touched by that and she was tearing because of that. And so, and my, I myself could not ignore the fact that actually when we had the, I don't know how I missed this, but the whole, during the altar call, every single person in the room answered the altar call. So the back, there was no woman with the child. No, everyone, every, the whole back was empty. And so God really moved and the testimony doesn't end there. This is a really good testimony. So I just have to use these few minutes. I will be, I'll do it in two minutes. Um, the, the thing is, is relation, being relational convicts hearts, but the testimony actually didn't end there. God redeems everything. And the next day we went and visited every single one of the family members that was at the service that night. And we went and prayed for them. And uh, the first, we split into two teams. The first house we went to, uh, Ted actually, Pastor Myung-wa saw a grandmother. She had been paralyzed for half three years due to a stroke. Half her left body was paralyzed. And um, we went and we all laid hands on her. And we started contending furiously for her. But when we came out of it, her whole family was kind of standing idly. Kind of, Pastor myung kind of picked up that it was speaking doubt over her. Like, no, no, she's always been like that. So Pastor myung led us to start praying covering over her cover her from all the doubt, claim her healing. And then uh, she tried to lead the grandmother through a prayer. But what happened was we had another glitch with the translator. And um, I had the tendency to get discouraged. Okay, this is going to be a repeat of last night. you know. And so we were about to leave discouraged. But what happened was uh, they took out these, these Milo. Okay, we had Milo. We were on sugar high. That's how we survived. But we had Milo at every single house we went to. And they took out tea, Milo, and cookies right when we were about to leave. And we had a choice again. Be relational or let's move on to the next house and see some healing. And uh, I remember we decided, okay, let's stay for a few more minutes and just take their hospitality and leave. So we, what we intended for it to be just a few minutes ended up being a few hours of family time. And what happened was, uh, Myung-wa kind of stayed with the grandmother. I reached out to this little four-year-old boy and was playing with him. And then, um, the, some of the girls stayed with Myung-wa. And then we had some brothers and sisters that were kind of mingling. And then, I don't know when it happened, but Ted started praying for this man's back somehow. And then all I know is we all looked over and this man was doing jumping jacks. And he was like, yeah, I'm healed. And then the guy next to him goes, wait, wait, I have the same problem. I have the same problem. Ted prays for him instantaneously healed. 
Okay, the third man, they do similar jobs. They do palm oil, like hauling, and so they have the same injuries. And so the third man goes and says, I have the same problem too. And then, and then we all kind of came together and we go, hey, let's have these two men, let's empower them, have them to lay hands on this third man, and let's contend for healing. Let's not lay hands. So that's exactly what we did. The third man instantaneously healed, all three doing jumping jacks. Okay, the fourth man goes, oh, I got some shoulder pain right here. Let's see some healing. And I was carrying this boy, and then we started praying for healing, and the little boy reaches out his hand, four years old, lays hands. I don't know if he's praying or not, but I was like, pray, pray. Actually, I would like did a Dragon Ball Z on him. I was like, Lord, use this kid mightily. <laughs> Shifted my hand to his back. But um, immediately that man got healed. Okay, the last person that was in that room was this old woman, and she was like, I need healing from diabetes, and I also have some pain. And so we prayed for her, all four men, that child, and then the team surrounded them. The woman got healed of the physical pain that we could measure. We're not sure about diabetes, but we claimed it by faith. Um, and finally, all we found out later that those four men were actually the elders of the church that we ministered to the night before with the poor translator. Okay? So... Before we left, Pastor Mungo goes, let's all pray for the grandmother once again. And so we all go gather near the grandmother. But this time, it was just the family. And they laid hands on the grandmother, claimed their healing, prayed for her. Even though we didn't see noticeable healing, when the grandmother stood up, she was smiling. She had this huge smile on her face because her whole family was cheering her on, praying for her. And... um. They started chanting Allah e to Beck or something. God is good. And they kept saying it over her, kept saying it over her. And then when they stopped, the little four-year-old kept saying it. And it brought so much joy to everyone that Ted started singing hallelujah. And then the whole house started singing hallelujah. And the grandma was just rejoicing. And so when we left, the, the family asked us, can we follow you around? And can we pray for the sick with you? And what basically happened after that house was every house we went to, we were like collecting disciples. And pretty soon when we went into one house, it was like a whole herd of us going in. And every time it was different people, we started every single house with testimonies. And it was different healings every time. And it was them. And then all of a sudden we had so many translators too, right? It worked perfectly. And so... Every house we went to, we saw God's healing. And by the last house, it was like a block party. Uh, God's moving in Malaysia in a way that requires relationship, patience, and sacrifice, not methods. We need to sacrifice our methods. And the way God's moving is through relationship, not crusades in Malaysia. And we realized that. And that's why we, we understood that it, even if that translator worked out that night, not, not all of that could have happened that night. God needed us to know the names. God needed us to know the people and needed us to know the stories in order for us to have those testimonies. Amen. Awesome. Thank you.